Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Maradero. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. Brought to you by Essentia, the world's only natural memory foam mattress. Beyond organic sleep. Marinero, the sick podcast. Wow. The Montreal Canadiens have a 3-2 series lead versus the Vegas Golden Knights with a chance to wrap up the series, win it in six games in front of their fans on none other than Saint-Jean-Baptiste Day, June 24. Joining me today from the Montreal Gazette newspaper, Stu Cowan. How you doing, bud? I'm doing good, Tony. How are you? Very, very well. Is it safe to say that at this point, we can no longer talk about the Canadians and surprise in the same sentence? No, we can't. They, although they did surprise me again last night in Game 5. I thought after that overtime loss in Game 4 when they totally outplayed the Golden Knights and then lost in overtime, I thought it was going to be a huge emotional blow. And, you know, getting on a plane, flying to Las Vegas after that lot, thinking about what might have been. You know, They could have been up going to Vegas last night with a chance to win and go to the Stanley Cup Final. But they surprised us again, right? That was That might be the best team after we've seen from the Canadians all year from start to finish. They just played a fantastic game and they've proven now like this is not the same team that played the first four games against the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is a totally totally different team. It might be the same guys on the ice Yeah, it's not the same team though they're just they have so much confidence and so much they've figured out the system and they're, work, they're working for each other like they're playing for the guy beside them which is you know that speech that Mark Bergman of the Canes put out on their Twitter account. You'll play for the guy beside you and that's what they're doing. They're playing for the guy beside you. They're bonding. And this is a team. This is, you know, teams win championships. Individuals don't. Uh, we saw the Toronto Maple Leafs are an example of that. I think they have too many individuals and not enough team. The Habs are a team. And I think they're going to win game six. I didn't think they were going to win game five. I yeah. think they going to win game six. And I think they're going to go to the Stanley Cup final. I think they're going to win game six, too. Uh, and uh, it's a sick podcast. I'm Marinero. He's Stu Cowan. The show is brought to you by Essentia, the world's only natural memory foam mattress. Go to myessentia.com slash sickpod and see why Essentia is the mattress of choice for many athletes, including over 25% of professional hockey players. Use code sickpod for a free pillow with your purchase. Essentia beyond organic sleep. Speaking of sleep, Stu, the Canadians needed to put the crowd to sleep because you thought that going into game five after Vegas won game four in overtime, that Vegas would have the momentum in front of their fans, 18,000 strong, and the Montreal Canadiens get that very big, important first goal of the hockey game by Jesperi Kakanyemi. It looks something like this. Canadians get to it. Kakanyemi, a lead pass for Anderson right on the money. He's in for a bid. Shut down by Fleury, the rebound. They score! Jesperi Kakanyemi gets to it, and Montreal is off and running. Stu, I don't think they've ever passed the puck better. That went from John Merrill with pressure on him to Jeff Petrie to Paul Byron, to Jesperi Kakanyemi, the stretch pass to Josh Anderson, the breakaway, the rebound sits there, Kakanyemi scores it. Before we get to that in just a second, though, and we will in a second, Stu, I can't believe Pete DeBoer took Robin Lehner out of his net and Marc-Andre Fleury. And I know that Fleury had better stats in the season and a better season and better stats in the playoffs. I get all of that. For me, there's an unwritten rule. Your goalie wins in the playoffs, you don't change him. What do you think? I agree. I, I was surprised when he put Leonard in for Flurry for the previous game. I thought that was a mistake. I was like, you know, okay, 
Fleury made a mistake and went behind the net and coughed up the puck. Uh, stuff happens, right? Uh, I, I question him putting Leonard in men, but he won that game for them. Leonard won game four for them, he, without a doubt. So why you would pull him makes absolutely no sense to me. Go with the hot hand, go with the hot goalie. And, uh, you know, Fleury's not the reason they lost. I mean, you know, you see that first goal from Kotkaniemi. He made a big save on, on Anderson to start. Uh, Kotkaniemi, what do they tell What do they want Kotkaniemi to do? Go to the net. He went to the net. The puck was there, and he put it in. But, yeah, I thought it was a questionable uh, move by the board to, to, to go back to Marc-Andre Fleury uh, with the momentum on Vegas's side and Leonard, the way he played. And uh, I think it was a mistake. And, uh, again, I don't think Marc-Andre Fleury is the reason uh, they lost. But mm-hmm. – it would have had a better chance to win if they had Leonard and Nets for that game. You remember that game-winning goal that Eric Stahl scored in his first game as a Montreal Canadian in the regular season? Remember that? Mm-hmm. I can still see the picture of that goal, all right? Speaking of picture, excellentphoto.ca. Excellent photo is centrally located close to downtown shopping and universities in Montreal. Ships to all of Canada, professional staff at the store and online to help you choose the gear you really need. So I, I think of that picture of Eric Stahl. And then I think of the rest of the regular season. At times, it was difficult. It was sluggish. A lot of people were saying, oh, my God, the real Eric Stahl is not the guy who scored that goal in overtime. He's the guy who looks like he can't skate anymore, who looks like he can't keep up anymore, who looks like he's got nothing left anymore. And yesterday, I had a lot of people telling me, you know what? Maybe Eric Stahl shouldn't play the game. Maybe they got to get somebody else in. Maybe get Tatar in because Stahl looks like he's hit a wall. No. Eric Stahl with a huge goal again last night. And just, man, when, uh, when it rains, it pours on one end. But when it's, uh, when, it's, uh, when it's nice out there and the sun is shining, right now the sun is shining on Mark Bergevin. What a huge goal by Eric Stahl. You know, when Bergevin made that trade, I wrote a column saying it was a good move. They had to get some veterans. They had to get a veteran center. Yeah. We weren't pulling their weight at that time. They needed to get somebody else in as an insurance policy. But like so many moves Mark Bergevin has made this season, that move was made for the playoffs. And it looked bad. I, you know, During the regular season near the end, it looked yeah. like Eric Stahl was done. It wasn't just because he was playing in Buffalo that he wasn't playing well. It just He looked like he'd maybe lost it. But this is a guy who won a Stanley Cup. I think he was 22 years old when he won in Carolina. Probably thought at that time, you know, I'll get back again. Never did. He wants the, the only reason he's playing right now, and the only reason Corey Perry is playing right now, is to win a Stanley Cup. That's the only re- like money they have enough money. These guys they have every everything they ever need, more money than they can ever spend in their lifetime. They've left their families behind for this season. The only thing they want to do is win the Stanley Cup, and we're seeing that. We're seeing that effort level, level from Eric Stahl. And you know, we talked about Kotkaniemi earlier and Suzuki. I don't think they're playing as well as they are right now without the influence of Stahl and also Philip Deneau. Yeah, Corey Perry, these veteran guys that are just helping them out and, and showing them little tricks here and there and talking to them off the ice and talking to them at practice. So for Mark Bergen, I, nearly every move he made from last offseason to the trade deadline was done with the playoffs in mind. They almost didn't get there, uh, but they did get there. They didn't start well, but everything's falling together now. And right now, Mark Bergevin is looking like a genius with these moves he made, including Eric Stahl, who's really, really played well for them and, and solidified that center position to the point where they can roll yeah. four lines comfortably now. And boy, Yoel Armia is a different hockey player than he was before since they put him with Perry and with Stahl. He's just, he's become the hockey player that I thought he could become because you watch him play. He's got yeah. all the time in the world and you're sort of saying, when is he going to put it together? Well, now he's started to put it together. 
Stu, uh, speaking of Mark Bergevin, his right-hand man, John Sedgwick, of course, uh, signed a three-year contract extension. The Montreal Canadiens let us know that earlier today. I would imagine uh, Sedgwick and Bergevin, I mean, they go hand-in-hand. I would imagine the same thing is coming from Mark Bergevin. It's just that, you know, in Bergevin's case, they don't have to make it official. I don't listen. I don't know if they have an agreement in principle already. Maybe Mark Bergevin's had it offered to him, and he's waiting because if he wins the Stanley Cup, Maybe he wants to go somewhere else at that point because he won the Stanley Cup. Uh, if he gets to the final, he's got more negotiating power to maybe ask for more. If he wins the Cup, he could probably even ask for more. What's your take? I mean, it leads me to believe that as Sedgwick resigns for three years, that Bergevin will be here for at least the same amount of time. Totally agree. He's got one year left on his contract. They're not going to sign the, the guy in charge of the salary cap and the guy who does all that work uh, without – no, without getting the okay from the current GM and without you have to figure the current GM's going to stay. So I would think that there's a minimum two-year extension coming for Bergevin, which would be on par with Cedric for three years each. And I think Mark Bergevin is smart right now. You know, There's been a lot of times, if the Kings don't make the playoffs, you wonder if Mark Bergevin is back next year. Uh, now, as you say, if they win the Stanley Cup, uh, and I'm Mark Bergevin, I'm Mark Bergevin's agent, I'm not going to settle for a two-year extension. I'm going to be looking for more. And uh, whether Jeff Molson gives it to him or not, we'll see. Uh, I don't know how many other teams are, are looking at Mark Bergevin as a potential future GM. The language issue in Montreal obviously plays on his side. The GM here has to be uh, bilingual. Uh, I, I would say that L.A. has to be interested. Poss- it's quite possible. Rob Blake, great friend of his. Mm-hmm. Luke Robitaille, great friend of his. Who doesn't like L.A.? But you still have to think that he still got that one year left, though, on his contract. Yeah, yeah, he does. He does. And, and listen, I would think the only way he doesn't resign is if they win the Stanley Cup, he plays out his final year and he says, I'm going to leave Montreal as a king. In my tenure here, I won the Stanley Cup, and now I can move on. It's the only way I see it. Although, you know, Mark Berger once said, if you want loyalty, you get a dog. But it'll be interesting to see how much loyalty he has to Jeff Molson because Jeff Molson has stuck with him when a lot of people, including me, thought he should have got rid of him and got another GM. You know, after that disastrous year when they finished 28th overall, Mark, uh, Jeff Molson has stuck with Mark Bergevin, uh, believed in him. And from Jeff Molson's standpoint, I'm hoping, I imagine he's hoping that Bergevin is going to show some of that back to him. But again, you know, it's a, sports is a big business and if you want loyalty, get a dog. Yeah. I think, I think Mark Bergevin enjoys. He's a guy who enjoys the spotlight, right? He's a, he likes the flashy clothes. He likes being recognized. I'm sure he loves being recognized around Montreal, maybe a little bit more than he wishes. He might like to have a nice quiet dinner once in a while. But he seems to be a guy who enjoys the spotlight, loves the – I mean, it, it takes a, a, a type of personality to survive in this Montreal market. You know, like a guy like Carey Price being goalie of the Montreal Canadiens. you got to be cool and confident and everything yeah. else. Same with GM. I mean, every move you make is questioned by not only us, but every fan out there, every – you know, big fans or every yeah. casual fan, every move you make is criticized. And it takes, it's a lot of weight on a guy. And Mark Bergeron has shown uh, that he can handle that over the last 10 years. Stu, I mean, I've been wrong pretty often uh, in my life, but I'll say this. Uh, I always thought that, you know, being a GM, not an easy thing. There's a period of adaptation. Mark Bergeron never was a GM, although he came in with a ton of experience. Being a GM in Montreal is, is you know, is being a GM somewhere else on steroids and times 100 and all that stuff, it's not an easy place. You're going to make mistakes uh, regardless. Uh, there's a lot of pressure here, more so than anywhere else. Um, 
I know a lot of people called for Mark Bergevin's job. At times, I was wondering what the direction of this team was actually where it was going. But I'm happy to say that never once did I go on air and say the Canadians need to fire Mark Bergevin. Never. Um, I'm happy I stuck with him. I think the last three years, Stu, I've said this, and I don't know what you think, but the last three years, starting when he traded Galchenyuk to Arizona for Max Domi, from that day, that was June of three years ago. So three years later, I think the body of work that he's done in the, th- the last three years is among the best work that any GM has done in the National Hockey League. Like, I'm talking top three stuff. I thought three years ago that he should have been fired after then I wrote that, that after they finished 28th and he had that press conference where he said the biggest problem was a bad attitude in the room. And I was like, really? The team's that bad and you think it's only an attitude that's the problem? Uh, you know, he had some got rid of a bunch of guys after that. Attitude still seemed like it might have been an issue even after that. So I thought Molson should have made a change then. He didn't. So I've written this and I've told people this before. There's version of a 1.0 and there's version of a 2.0. That day that Jeff Molson decided he was going to stick with Bergevin and let him do his reset or rebuild or whatever you want to call it, you got to sort of forget about the 1.0 because he's staying there. He's not going anywhere. So, okay, Jeff Molson wiped the slate clean. Let's start over and try and rebuild. So if you're going to judge the current team with Mark Bergevin, I think you got to start from that period. What happened before then obviously didn't work. Uh, for a lot of James, it would have cost them their job. As I mentioned earlier, you know Jeff Molson showed loyalty to Bergevin. It'll be interesting to see how much loyalty is paid back. That he stuck with him, kept him, and now Jeff Molson's looking smart, right? He's looking like uh, Bergevin, what he thought he would do. And I'm yeah. sure he had that meeting. Bergevin had to sell Molson on what his plan was moving forward, and Molson had to buy into it, and he did. And there's been bumps along the way. Uh, hasn't been a smooth ride, uh, but here we are. The Canes one win away from the Stanley yeah. Cup. And such a fine line between winning and losing, Stu. When you think about it, some of the things that have happened to this team this year, I mean, they were this close to getting eliminated by Toronto. They don't shot 13 to 2 in one of the overtime periods. And if they do, we're not talking about Bergeron maybe the way we are. We're not talking about this team the way we are. Not only that, I mean, uh, Paul Byron. Paul Byron was on waivers three times this year, okay? If Paul Byron gets picked up, the Canadians don't beat the Maple Leafs. Well, probably not. But you wonder if somebody else might have picked up, that's done what Paul Byron did in that role. Uh, I hear you. They not beat them. Maybe somebody else comes up and scores that big goal. Maybe not. I mean, right now you say, yeah, they probably aren't where they are without Paul Byron. But you never know, right? Sports. Somebody else might have stepped up and scored that goal. Uh, but I'm sure the Canadians right now are very thankful that Paul Byron didn't get claimed on waivers the three times he was placed on waivers. Paul Byron's happy. He loves Montreal. He loves the Canadians. He's one of the very few Canadians players who lives here year round. His family settled on the South shore near the practice rink. Uh, he loves everything about being a Canadian. He does interviews in both languages. Uh, there's a reason why he has an A on his sweater. Uh, he's a class act on and off the ice. Uh, I'm happy for Paul Byron. I'm really yeah. happy because he's a good guy. And I like when good things happen to good people. Yeah. Uh, for him, I'm sure it's been a tough year for him and for his family, wondering what their future might be. Are we leaving Montreal? Are we staying here? What's going forward? But, uh, you know, Paul Byron, to his credit, you know, uh, took the high road through all of this and just let his play speak for itself. And that's a good question. Maybe the Canes aren't where they are right now without Paul Byron in the lineup. 
Marinero, it's the Sick Podcast. You can listen to us on the iHeartRadio app. Check it out, of course, and all uh, and other social media platforms. A shout out to SportBuffShop.com for all of your officially licensed sports apparel and more. Use code Sick15 for fifteen percent off on all of their items, whether it's Montreal Canadiens, Vegas Golden Knights, or any of the teams that are playing in the NBA right now, or even your football teams. All right, okay. So, Yasperi um, Kakinyemi makes it one nothing. Eric Stahl on a great feed by Nick Suzuki makes it 2 nothing, And then Mark Stone is stick-handling, and I don't know what he's doing, but it ends up leading to the Montreal Canadiens' third goal. Play it for me, Sammy. Short-handed come the Golden Knights. Nice sweep check by Suzuki. Breakaway, Corey Perry. A drop pass. They score! Cole Caulfield! That's a beautiful pass from Corey Perry. It's 3-0 Montreal. I got to tell you, if I would go out and get myself one of these, Stu, uh, I think I would put number 22 and Caulfield behind it. Uh, this kid is just hes so fun to watch. He's so refreshing. Uh, it seems like the, you know, the guys have taken him in like their younger brother. But, you know, not only have they taken him, he can play Stu and he can score and what a play that was. The puck taken away from Stone by Suzuki. It ends up going to Corey Perry with a fantastic pass to Cole Caulfield and a fantastic finish. It was beautiful, Stu. It was. What a pass by Corey Perry. And a goal scorer's goal, right? The puck was on his stick for like one thousandth of a second before it was in the back of the net. And walking down, uh, you know, game four, I had a bite deep before the game on a terrace uh, just off of St. Catherine Street. Walking down to the Bell Center, a lot of number 22 Caulfield sweaters. And I was thinking to myself, I hope the kid doesn't change his number because he didn't choose that number. It was given to him. He wore number uh-huh. eight in university, but that's Ben Sherrod's number. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Where did you go? Uh, I went to the Trois Brasseurs. Just a okay. Little that's okay. Perfect. Uh, okay. Had, had Good. Had you know what? I, I support local. And that's yeah, why I wanted to know. I had a bite to eat there and uh, walked down. And uh, as I said, a lot of Cole Caulfield uh, yeah. sweaters around. Yeah, uh, sweaters, Suzuki sweaters, and Caulfield, you know, number 22, Steve Shutt's old number. Uh, yeah. You know, I did wrote a column recently talking with Steve Shutt, and he sees some similarities uh, to Caulfield and himself. And uh, when I asked him what advice he might have for Caulfield, he said, uh, just shoot the puck, kid. I never passed. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good advice. It worked for him over 400 times. By the way, another great spot is uh, Trattoria Trestevere on Crescent, which is a hop, skip, and a jump away from the Bell Center. They got a beautiful terrace. You might want to check that one out, too. But listen, uh, earlier today on the Zoom call, I believe it was Jean-Francois Chaumont who asked Eric Gustafson about Cole Caulfield and if he reminded Gustafson of Alex Debrinkit, because, of course, Gustafson and Debrinkit played together with the Chicago Blackhawks. His answer made me laugh. He chuckled, and he said the first time he walked into the Canadians' locker room, he actually thought that Caulfield was Debrinkit. Yeah, that's funny. And they're about the same size. And I was in Vancouver covering the draft uh, when the Canadians selected Caulfield. And the column I wrote, I mentioned the Brink Act because a lot of Canadians are throughout this kid's five foot seven, 170 pounds. And I said, the Canadians are hoping he's going to be Alex the Brinkett, who had already proven himself that with his size and his skill package, he could still be effective in the NHL and score goals. And Cole Caulfield's doing the exact same thing now. Uh, he's a small guy. Uh, among the many things that have impressed me watching him, his speed, his shot, his hockey sense, his playmaking ability. Uh, you know, I'm glad he didn't listen to Steve Shutt and only shoot because this kid can't pass the puck. Uh, but just just the way he, he sees the game and the way he avoids the big hit. 
there was a game against Winnipeg. I can't remember which game it was. It was one of the games at the Bell Center. He came across the blue line, had his head down a bit, and a Winnipeg guy had him lined up and was about to take his head off. And at the last second, he almost like eyes behind his head, he saw him and spun off and missed the check. Similar to what Nick Suzuki did in the game against uh, one of the games against Vegas when he almost got laid out at center ice. So it's that ability to sort of like eyes in the back of your head when you're when you're his size, when you're Cole Caulfield's size, you you have to have eyes in the back of your head to survive, to even get to the NHL, never mind playing the NHL. So he has that. He has that ability to spin off checks and not get that big hit. He doesn't put himself in vulnerable positions. He, he forechecks hard, but he doesn't yeah. put in a position where he's going to get crushed into the boards. He can't. You don't want him to do that. He doesn't have the size to do that. Josh Anderson can do that. The bigger guys can do that. So the whole all-around package with Cole Caulfield, is uh, is the whole package, you know. As Tyler Toffoli said in that Players Tribune article, yeah. he has the it factor, and he definitely has the it factor. It, that was that was an amazing piece, by the way. For those who missed it, check it out on the Players Tribune. Tyler Toffoli wrote a piece, and he said that uh, you know last year when he was watching the playoffs, one of the guys that really caught his attention was Nick Suzuki. And while he was watching, he was saying, you know what? I wonder what it would feel like to play with this player. And he said he wanted to play with Suzuki. And part of his reasoning behind signing with the Montreal Canadiens was an opportunity to play with Suzuki. And it took a while, but by the end of the year, they were put together on a line and he got he had chemistry with Suzuki. And then he started to get chemistry with Caulfield. And now all three of them have chemistry together, uh, which is kind of cool. I absolutely love that piece. Hey, Stu, did you see what the Montreal Canadiens tweeted out? Uh, when the players were making their way onto the ice yesterday, led by Carey Price. Did you ever have a chance to see that video, by the way? I'm not sure if I did. I, I probably refresh my memory. You have to check it out. It's pretty cool, okay? So the Canadians tweeted out the video of the players going from the locker room, uh, basically onto the ice, led by Carey Price, who was the first one to get onto the ice. And Price, as he was making his way, and you can hear the loud music and stuff like that, was basically like, whoa! Woo! He was like so pumped up. I have never seen Carey Price pumped up like that before. And it just reinforces what we're watching. He's a man possessed right now. I didn't see that one. I'm going to have to go look it up as soon as we finish here. That's unlike. Stu, I've never seen Carey Price act like that before in my life. That's that's unlike, so unlike Carey Price, Mr. Cool, right? Remember that? Yeah. Preseason game years ago when he let in five goals and everybody's freaking out. Hey, buddy, everybody chill. You know, that's Terry Price. So to see him like that, but he is, he's on a mission, man. And I've, I've said it and I've written it. There's two Carey Prices now. There's regular season Carey Price and there's playoff Carey Price. And the one thing missing from his trophy cabinet is the Stanley Cup, right? And he's, you know, he's in his mind, he's wondering, am I ever going to get back to this point again? I don't think he expected if you if he was you know give him a truth serum and ask him when these playoffs started do you think you're going to be in the Stanley Cup final I wonder if he would have said yes with the way the, the season had ended the injury he was coming off the concussion he hadn't had a really good regular season he's found his game he's playing as good as I've ever seen him play in the Canadians and he just keeps getting better I mean better and better I mean he let in one bad goal there that game four but I mean you had like how that puck went I, I shouldn't even say it's a bad goal because you had the, yeah. everything covered and somehow the puck snuck in under his armpit it was it was more unlucky I shouldn't say it was a bad goal I'll take that back but you know he's they don't beat Toronto you're right you're talking about you know Paul Byron before yeah they do not beat Toronto without Carey Price as I mentioned they got outshot 13 to 2 in overtime in one of those games uh and, and they're not where they are without him now but but it's not all carry price, whereas in previous seasons it was all carry price. He's getting a lot of help in front of him. Like he's the you know, fans are clearing the front of the net. They're getting the puck out of their zone zone quick. So yeah. carry price is, is the is doing what Mark Bergeron was hoping he would do when he gave him that eighty four million dollar contract. 
but he's getting a lot of help in front of him. So it's not, he doesn't have to stand on his head. He just needs to make the big saves when they, the, the, the few grade A chances that the Canadians are allowing, he's stopping nearly all of them. So that's, you know, that's, that's what Mark Bergevin gave him the big bucks for, was to make those saves on the grade A chances. They've only lost one game in overtime. They've won all the rest, and their goalie is standing on his head. Stool. Uh, it feels like 93, Stu Cowan. It feels like 93. Yeah. The Slate, of course, one of my favorite songs, feels like 93. Um, Montreal Stand Up is pretty good. And Rock the Sweater, which he updated now, is also excellent. But for me, it feels like 93. Abs in 6 2. Who have never experienced this before? Yeah, you know, I grew up in the seventies when the Habs won, you know, four cups. And I told people, and when I was in high school, my five years in high school, the Habs won four Stanley Cups. Every year, you skipped school and went to go watch the Stanley Cup parade. So I really feel I'm, I'm happy for the young generation of Habs fans. Me Many too. Of them I saw the other night walking down to the rink wearing their Caulfield jerseys and their Suzuki jerseys. They've never experienced anything like this. This is, you know, Philip Deneau. And Joel Edmondson were born, and Armia were born the same year the Canadians won their last Stanley Cup. These are players in the NHL. They're not kids. No, it was, it was, Cola Coffee was born eight years after the Canadians won their last Stanley Cup. So it's good for the city. The city needs this, right? This is just after what we've all been through with COVID and what the restaurant owners have gone through and what people have gone through, not being able to go out. Uh, this is what a perfect thing to happen to the city as summer comes in, as the warm weather comes in. Yeah. So you know, when I wrote my column saying I was picking Vegas in six, I also wrote, I hope I'm wrong, because it's good for Montreal, for the Canadians to be playing well at this time, giving people a boost after all we've gone through for COVID. So my revised pick is abs in six. I chose the Canadians in seven, and guess what? I hope I'm wrong, too, because I hope they win in six. Thanks, Stu Cowan of the Montreal Gazette. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, Tony. Take care, bud. Thank you, buddy. It's now time to make a little bit of money. Money. Money, 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 money. Money! money. It's time for Sick Picks. Brought to you by MyBookie. Place your bets on MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag slash the Sick Podcast and use code Sick Picks for a 50% deposit bonus. Bet, win, get paid. He's my buddy Cash. His handles, I run my bets. Cash, make me some cash right now. Let's go. What's up, guys? Uh, coming off a pretty big win yesterday in Montreal because I gave out to you guys Montreal in the series future plus 300 at the time. It was 1-1. Uh, it's looking pretty good, guys. They're minus 150 to win the series right now. My pick that I'm going to give you guys on this show pertains to this series again. Uh, guys, this is uh, the market ad adjusting properly and making the right moves. I just don't think they're timely decisions, guys. The Montreal Canadiens yesterday were a plus 220 underdog. If you really dove deep into the stats of these games, Montreal has arguably been the better team, not by a wide margin, but by a little bit. The fact that you're seeing them as almost plus 200, plus 220 underdogs is absolutely ridiculous to me, guys. The market self-corrected a little bit. For the first time, guys, Montreal, they have been massive underdogs in almost every game except for game three and four against the Jets. They've been heavy, heavy underdogs literally every game. The market's finally made an adjustment. I still don't think it's enough. You're going to get Montreal on the money line, plus 125. They don't have much of a home crowd edge. I like them. My number's plus 105, something around there. Get them at plus 125, guys. Again, this is a market self-correction. If it goes to game seven, you're going to see me on Montreal again. Even if Montreal makes the finals, whether it's Islanders or Tampa Bay, you guys, I'm literally going to be betting Montreal money line every game until the markets show that they're willing to adjust the number properly because at this point in time, it is not adjusted properly. They are plus 220, guys, in a game, uh, game five. 
in the in the second last round of the playoffs and you're getting a team plus 220 that's 2-2 in the series the markets are off guys the self-corrections have been awful take advantage bet montreal until they are favored or until they're given a little bit of respect in the marketplace see you cash thank you my man it feels like 93. Feels a little like 93. I love this song. One win away from the Stanley Cup. One win away. Last time they went to the final was 1993. If you're 26, 27 years old or younger, you've never seen the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup final. This is your chance. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Game six. I'll say Jean-Baptiste, the Montreal Canadiens are going to do it. They're going to the Stanley Cup. They're going to win the Stanley Cup. I feel it. I feel it on my bones. And when they do, a big party's going to break out. I got my Cherry River. Let's go. Go. Caps. Go. Feels like 93. See you again. It's the Sick Podcast on all social media platforms. You can listen to it on iHeartRadio app. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Essentia, the world's only natural memory foam mattress. Beyond organic sleep.